Welcome to Spirits and Chat with John and Matt. I am Matt Pullman. And I am Jonathan Emerson. And this is a podcast where we watch an episode of a show where the characters are in a play, and then we break down what that TV show got right and what the show got wrong about life in the theater. Life in the theater. That never gets old. <laughs> Today we watch <laughs> Friends. Uh, this episode is called The One with the Screamer. This aired on April 24th, 1997. Ah. This was directed by Peter. I'm going to say Bonners. It's spelled B-O-N-E-R-Z. I could say this another way. So I'm going <laughs> to say Bo- Boner- Bonners. There you go. Ah, okay. Um, it was written by Scott Silveri and Shana Goldberg-Mihan. And this is the one where Joey's in a play and he is dating the lead and then or he's trying to date he's the trying lead. to yeah. date the lead and then rachel's uh is in a relationship with a very um problematic verbally abusive ben, ben stiller, stiller. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the episode um so before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode oh, i love it let's talk about our background with friends so what was your relationship with Friends? Was it the show that you watched um, back in the day when it was on? It was kind of hard to avoid. In the it, 90s. Right, right. So, like you said, it was it was everywhere and it was immensely popular. Uh, our last episode featured a, a Seinfeld a Seinfeld episode. Uh, this uh, episode features a uh, Friends um, episode and Friends really kind of yeah. We're getting through the must see TV of it all. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this also was on Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. If you were at home on Thursday, there really wasn't much else to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. So I, I did see. I, I did. I never. I will not say I was like a super fan of the show. I didn't religiously follow it. Um, I did find it funny. Um, so I probably caught it on most Thursdays. But if I missed it, I didn't cry about it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think this show came out, I think I was in sixth or seventh grade, but it was middle school. And I remember being really into Friends the first couple of seasons. I actually had a Friends poster. Oh, I remember that. And I think I actually bought the Friends soundtrack and was very much a Friends, Friendsophile, probably (laughs) until about high school. And then I kind of tapered off because when I got into high school, I was, I think, once Will and Grace came on, right, I right. liked that more, and I was really into ER, so it was a big commitment to watch the whole three-hour block of TV, <laughs> yeah. so I think most of the times I would turn on Will and Grace at 9, and then ER was at 10. I, I just, I was in and out of Friends probably from, like, season four on. I, I did not watch it religiously. I, I'm sure that there's a lot of Friends episodes that I haven't seen right um just because uh i just wasn't as into it when i got to high school i think my relationship with friends was a lot like my relationship with saved by the bell when i was like in elementary school because in elementary school i would watch saved by the bell and think this is how teenagers act (laughs) and then once i got to middle school i realized this is not at all how real adolescents act at all and the same thing I remember watching Friends, thinking like, oh, this is what grown-ups do. This is what cool, this is this, what being a cool New York grown-up is. This is what it's like yes. being an adult. And I think maybe, because I went to New York when I was 14 for the first time, I think even then it, it was kind of dawning on me that these are not real New Yorkers. <laughs> these are characters. No no one lives like the Friends. Right, do. right. And this, so and this version of New York is not real. Unemployed folks don't have a bomb-ass apartment like that. Uh, where, where was it? Like a, it was Central Greenwich Park Village. Or, yeah, oh, Greenwich it, Village. Yeah, okay. It was in the village, and um, they're... Apparently, it was only 
white 20-somethings who live in Greenwich Village. I, um, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, I, I have... I like this show. I like all the actors. I... I so a couple years ago, I felt some of the humor got dated. Like this isn't a great episode though. This is right, not right. the strongest. Like I can't even really describe what it's about because it's about like five different things and none of them end up really mattering <laughs> at all. A, a couple years ago, it was a big deal. Netflix acquired Friends, and I actually thought like, well, I'll do a rewatch like on my downtime right. at the gym or whatever. And I got through about half of season one, and w- what I struggled with on my rewatch is how poorly some of these episodes have aged in particular uh, yes. in um their regards to basically lgbt issues oh yeah, yeah there's absolutely. a lot of problematic a lot of problematic things. stuff it's uh, and I don't very begrudge, dated yeah i don't begrudge the show i don't think they're trying to be homophobic i just think in the early 90s a lot of the low-hanging fruit humor was kind of to make jokes against queer people against gay men against later you know chandler's dad is a transgendered woman and there's right. a lot of not cool jokes um so it, it just for for what me it, it's it wasn't even a huge deal but so much of the chandler joey gay panic stuff from the early seasons just wasn't funny no it just didn't age well it, it doesn't was, it's sit kind well of yeah bro I, I don't regret the actors or anything. I just think it was the culture that this was pre Ellen, pre Glee. And I mean, there was... that's that's where people in writing rooms were, you know, had their had their comedy, you know, uh, meters sort of pointed or you know like that. That was a uh, part of the culture of the time. It was it, definitely it, not it, an you easy watch, time to be a gay if person. If you watch the mid nineties SNLs, like I would put on some during the pandemic. The same thing. A lot of the humor then is very sophomoric, scatological, anti. It's just what it's like the Adam Sandler type of broy, fratty humor, right. which was big and not refined. And I think eventually Friends does rise above yeah. some of that, but it's just it's really hard to watch those episodes and not see it so thrown in your face. And even the the second episode of Friends is all about Ross's distress over his wife is a lesbian and right. there's a lot of jokes against her and kind of her throughout the series her yeah. being the villain especially those early episodes and even how she's written as kind of that she became a lesbian to spite her husband and you never really even see her point of view of how hard that might have been for her to be secretly gay but marrying a man and having a kid and then being yourself and then kind of well they never really gave her much of an arc you know is she was kind of you know she she was actually portrayed very similarly uh you know aside lesbianism aside um she she was played a lot like or written a lot like maris um you know from 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 fraser Fraser. you know that's sort of one-dimensional you know you know they wrote the shrew of the wife yes exactly yeah, but but overall, despite all that, I do I do like this show. Yeah. Overall, I like it. I don't love this show. Yeah, um, and I do here. like all I do like all the actors. I think they're all very talented and they're all very well cast. Um, so let's get into the episode. Sure. I think I think for the purposes of our podcast, this might be the only one that we can do. I think this is the only one where we see Joey in a play. Um, and I remember watching this one when it first aired because okay. that the scene at the end with his play. Oh, with the ladder. Oh my with god. With the spaceship. That that's what I what I wanted to do. Friends. I'm like, there is an episode where Joey is in a play, and it gets very weird. Um, <laughs> there might be other episodes 
that fit the bill um, where we see Joey in a play. I just can't think of any of them. If someone knows it, um, please email us if there's any other friends we can do. I think this is the only one where we actually see Joey perform in a play. Right, because be mostly wrong. he's on set on the soap. That's like what he ends right, up right. doing. So he, his show. arc is he's a struggling actor in the first few seasons, and then I think he gets on Days of Our Lives, and that's kind of his big... Uh, gig throughout the latter half of the seasons okay and our dog's chewing one of my slippers from the dollar store that's fine (laughs) that's kind of like the least problematic thing he's done on the bed (laughs) in a while uh so let's get into the episode okay um not a great episode but uh i kind of like i it it opens with phoebe is on the phone and that is all (laughs) she gets to do with the episode yeah i mean she spends the entire episode on the phone i do like some some of the phoebeisms that came out she's like oh your dad told him uh your dad clicked in and uh told you to call him back as soon as possible he's at flimby's and she (laughs) she's like what's flimby's she's like oh that's what i what i call when i don't remember what they said that's so funny i love lisa kudrow she's my favorite (laughs) she's my favorite actress on the show oh absolutely she's phoebe was my favorite and lisa kudrow i think is the best actress the most diverse if you watch some of her other work it's so different than phoebe um she's in a great movie called the opposite of sex mm-hmm. where she plays very serious character All and right. then she does another show that i've talked about you've never seen called the comeback where she is a middle-aged retired sitcom actress trying to stage her own comeback it is phenomenal okay um but yeah that's all she gets to do she is on the phone because her own phone <laughs> At her apartment has broken, so she's calling the phone manufacturer because the warranty's about to expire. This is the most '90s thing. This oh, is so '90s. I thought it was for fixing her car. I didn't realize it was for fixing the phone. No, it's for phone. Oh. Her phone is broken. You thought it was her car? I thought it was. At first, I was like, did she get taken in by one of those uh, car warranty scams? Because she's like, I, I thought she said my 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 car warranty is about to expire and i have to uh, i'll have to pay no, for it it's her phone that's why at the end of the episode when she breaks their phone she's like, <laughs> she's like here's the number you could call <laughs> but this is 97 so this is a few years before everyone had a cell phone and it's so jarring to watch people in new york not have cell phones and still try to like walk around oh, right. I, don't, I don't know how they do it but that's all she gets to do is that she's on the phone trying to get someone to fix her and, phone. And she's still some of the funniest moments in the episode as yeah, well. Yeah, I don't think so. her, I don't think I, I left her speech halfway through where she tells whatever Ross her his problem is very important to her. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, then Joey enters and he's in a play and he's trying to work out the comp situation, which... Mm. This theater has a very generous comp system. Yeah. Uh, most of the times you get two. He seems to have unlimited comps, but maybe because he's the star. Yeah, I, I noticed that. I Something else I noticed, um, this is probably a scene later, but there, incidentally, uh, somebody did their research because they're, they're at the Lucille Lortel, mm-hmm. which is where, um, so for our guests at home... Uh, or wherever you are. Um, Where else would they be listening? Matt and I have... um, uh, They're not in this house. (laughs) Are they in the house? Um, So, (laughs) we've been to several shows of the Lucille Lortel. Um, Most recently, the uh, Percy Jackson musical Mm -hmm. when it was off-Broadway there. Yeah, I was going to get into that. Um, One thing I'd like... We'll just skip ahead, um, because this goes back to our last episode, our Seinfeld one. In the Seinfeld episode... When you see the exterior, mm-hmm. I complained very heartily 
that they showed an exterior to Town Hall, which is a concert venue, which is not right. a Broadway theater. But for this one, for their exterior shot, they cut to an outside shot of the Lortel, which is a real off-Broadway theater. Mm -hmm. And they did, uh, like, Photoshop the marquee for Joey's play. And then in the scene, they do mention that they are at the Lortel. Right. So the writers actually did their homework yes. on that one. So I, I like that. I like that more than what Seinfeld like, did. When, when that came up, I was like, oh, we've been there. <laughs> we have been there. Yeah. Um, so, but I think even in uh, like Broadway, off-Broadway, you don't get unlimited comps. I was listening to a podcast with Jamie Lynn Sigler, who's the daughter on The Sopranos. Okay. But she played Belle in Beauty and the Beast, and she mentioned that for her entire six months run mm -hmm. as Belle, Disney gave her two comps. Are you serious? For the entire wow. run. She got two. That's that's industry standard is you get two. That's for off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway. I mean, I you know that there's some A-list stars who probably have a different policy in their contracts probably, written yeah. for them. I'm sure Hugh Jackman gets more than two. More than two, <laughs> yeah. But uh, especially if you're you know uh, on a chorus track or something like that, you can probably expect two. <laughs> Basically, yes. it's so mom and dad can come see it, or you know, or your spouse or whatnot. So yeah, but I guess I buy because this is off Broadway. It's non for profit. Maybe they're not as maybe they're not like Disney where they want to just. And make it could have been a money. preview night as well, where there's a little bit more flexibility. Maybe, sometime. maybe that's true. Um, so anyway, he's working out the comps. Ross is bringing a date. So I guess, uh, oh my god, I've heard her name Rachel gets <laughs> jealous. So she says that she's going to bring a date too. I believe in the arc of the Ross Rachel relationship, this is right after they broke up, right. where he they were on a break. Do you remember that? Like they were together. They were together and, they, and then she said, like, we need to go on a break, but then he sleeps with someone else and then he's like, No, we are on a break and she considers that cheating. So they're on they're on the outs. Okay. So right. that, that that I feel like I I haven't watched Friends in a long time, but I feel like that's kinda of where the tension is going and I, I made a note about Ross's wardrobe <laughs> throughout this episode okay. because he 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 he's um a female Power Ranger in the show because he's wearing a very hot pink uh <laughs> dress shirt at the okay. beginning and yep. then later he's wearing a bright yellow one. Oh, so it's wow. like Trini and, Trini <laughs> and Kimberly. <laughs> I don't know. I like I like the way both of the shirts look to them. He wore them well. <laughs> And then we get to the intro. Then, I'll be there for you. Oh, oh that's gosh. not a terrible one. That was a, that yeah, no, it's great. So Phoebe is still on hold. That's all she gets to do. Oh, what did I write down? Did oh, the sweater miss, bit. Did you? Well, the, there's the sweater bit. Oh, the, when uh, you you can't not mention that this is the first time we see uh, Ben Stiller scream. Um, no, no, that gets to the. Oh, theater. that's later. We're okay. still in the apartment. Oh, okay, do you gotcha. remember where? This is the next morning. So Phoebe has been hold on night. All night, yes. And then Monica gives her a sweater, and then. Sometimes Phoebe is written like she is not <laughs> mentally functioning at an adult level. Right. Where she can't get the sweater over her head. And then I, I always forget that in the early seasons, Chandler and Joey have pets. Oh, that, I, I think I the pets get phased out. I had forgotten they had a duck. They I, have a duck and a chick. A chick, yes. I think they always have a chick, don't they? Because chicks grow up into chickens. Did this, did this chick ever become a chicken? Chick, I thought the chick was the duck's baby. Uh, maybe I've been away from this for well, too long. Well, no. So how it works is ducks have ducklings. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Chickens have chicks. So where I, I okay? I totally forget. Where did they get a duck? And I a don't chick? know. I think I think they had it since the pilot. Oh, okay. like it was always just a thing. Just where... in their New York City apartment, just a duck. 
Yeah, which we had a chinchilla. I mean, for that a long was time, pretty so unique. Yeah, I guess their landlord is fine with it as long as the duck doesn't make a lot of noise. It, but anyway, it I just, also adds a layer of interest to me now because I was like, I was like, so the duck had a fight with the chick, and that's why Joey was late to his show. So I thought maybe oh, it's like mom, mama duck and baby having a fight, but it was really like mama duck and random chick from a chicken having a fight and what that and what that is and what that's all about like yeah joey's intelligence is also <laughs> in question in a lot of these episodes like i just forget what happens to the duck i think i don't know if it's one of those situations where they they it, i don't know if it's a judy winslow situation where that was the middle daughter in family matters who after season three didn't exist oh where right they they... or if there's an episode where joey and chandler decide to not have these pets but... oh, we're talking about the younger brother in happy days that went up the stairs but never came back down allegedly i've never seen a happy oh, days okay. in my life i just aged that... myself okay. yeah <laughs> yeah you are a whole year and three days older than me so <laughs> but i think they the, the duck and the chick play an important role later yes. in the episode so i think that's why the writers put them in like as a reminder Joey and Ross have pets, and I have to say, I, I know that Matthew Perry was going through things in the run of Friends. Um, I hate the way he looks in this episode. I oh, hate yeah? his goatee. Oh, I just okay. hate his goatee. It looks so bad. It's such a that was a '90s thing. We're like '90s, twenty-something, thirties guys would like just have goatees. Um, who else? Uh, Anthony Edwards on ER. The same like he had a goatee. He had a goatee. And it looked awful. It 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 bothers me. So I, I should like not. It. I should not grow a goatee. You, you shouldn't. I, if I, you're I, a listener and you have a goatee, I'm sure it's lovely. Please send me pictures. <laughs> but I don't. I, I, I don't, can't. I can't grow a goatee. It's okay. No, you can't. But I. Just, <laughs> it distract. It bothered me the whole episode. I didn't like it. Yeah, he, he goes through a lot of physical changes throughout the process of the. Episodes. Well, I think he was struggling with some things. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You can tell when he's in the midst of it and when he's not. Um, that I. Right. I, I was concerned for him this entire episode. He yeah. didn't look well. Um, so then we get to the next scene, where it's we're at the Lortel, uh, where they actually show the exterior, and this is where we meet Rachel's date, who is our guest star Ben Stiller. <laughs> and I'm just gonna say, I I find Ben Stiller in this episode about as funny as I have ever found Ben Stiller, <laughs> which is not a lot. A lot. Okay. I, I don't know. I feel like. He's, he's very one note to me. I don't know. Are you a Ben Stiller stan? I know. I, I mean, so I, I'll say that there were some there were some movies that I thought were funny, but m- mostly only the one where he plays the model that, that I Oh, find, Zoolander? Yeah, I found that to be enjoyable. I think I like him better in serious stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like some of his dramas. I don't know. When he does his, like, shtick, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't tickle my funny bone. But... <laughs> Ross and his name is Tommy. Ben Stiller's character is Tommy. They get left alone while the ladies go to the bathroom together, which I, I don't know why ladies. Is that in real life? Ladies always have to like pee in pairs. It's always in TV and movies where the ladies like whenever, even if it's a stranger, a lady they just met, they're like, I'll join you in the bathroom. It's like, I don't know. It's, I I think it's. Meet you in the ladies room. room. Yeah, no, I think that they're going to. <laughs> um, I think that going to the restroom together is a very common thing in in public places. Like, you know, like I guess it's to put on makeup, to powder and your like, nose, talk and about boys, talk about boys. Um, you know, and also as like a, I mean, I'm I, I guarantee there's an element of of safety in public places. Maybe too, there you, you go. Know, okay, so that that's, that's where my I thought feel like process from a went. writing 
perspective, it's always a very cliche thing. It is. Two it's, women have to leave to talk. Very common. To talk about the man. Um, but now we get our first clip where they get their tickets and Tommy has an issue. So what are you... Uh, I think we're oh, here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, huh. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I, I think you may be in our seats. Um, no, I don't think so. Can, can we take a look at your ticket? Sure. Yep. Yeah, see, this says D13, and, uh, and... Oh, well, I thought that, uh, oh, we, thought, we were... Huh? Yeah, well, that didn't really work out too well for it, did you? Idiot! <laughs> what are you, a moron, huh? It says D13, okay? Look, you're surrounded by even numbers. Does that give you some clue? <laughs> the usher told them... Oh, come... oh, well, the usher must be right. What with all the training they go through? Get out! <laughs> Here! <laughs> so one thing I guess this episode does well is well, two things. I, I like the set of the theater. Sure. It actually looks like the interior yeah. of maybe an off-off Broadway theater. If we're going to nitpick, <laughs> and this is so inside sports, I'm sorry. The Lortel is actually a proscenium stage. It is, yes. And they are like kind of at an off-off Broadway thrust style stage. Right. I don't want to... No one cares about I me. I can't remember. I don't think they have the brick walls there. I don't think so. But I don't remember. But, but anyway, the, the set design actually looks like an off-Broadway theater would look like. Or like an off-off theater. Yeah. Right. And it is a thing where usually house left is like odd number seats. And the middle is like uh, chronological number seats. And right is even. Okay. So it does make like when you... Like, when we get tickets, we're, like, D13, D15, mm-hmm. because we're on the left side. Right. So, I, I, I do, like, that little bit of detail that that is how theaters, at least in New York, their system is spread out. So, so Ben Stiller didn't get it wrong. Yeah. No, Ben Stiller yeah. did get... He didn't get it wrong. Right. You're right. Um, it's just he was an asshole about it. <laughs> yeah, and I... <laughs> I'm surprised no, like, theater security staff Yeah, intervened. usually when things get that heightened, uh, somebody says something. But... Yeah, I mean, some ushers, like, are volunteers and are kind of apathetic. Right. Like, I've met, seen plenty of ushers who will not tell, make people get off their phones. Well, or... it's not their job to be security either. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, then we get to the next scene. At first, I couldn't tell whether they were backstage or whether they were on stage, but I guess... They are at their cast party, and they are having it on the set of the play. Yeah, so we didn't actually see the play. It um, it, it literally skips from Ben Stiller yelling to, uh, you know, basically uh, after the bows. Right, but they're having their cast party, like, on the set of the play. Right. Normally, you would go to a bar or to a restaurant. Um, most of the times, you're not supposed to eat or drink on the set. Yeah. Uh, so that that's, again, a minor little nitpick thing and they're waiting for the reviews which i think that's more of a late 90s early 2000 like pre-internet thing where on opening night people would stay up till like midnight or 1 a.m and they would wait till the actual newspaper arrived right so they could read their reviews i don't did do you ever do that the uh, the playhouse at the play yeah in the on the community theater scene that that could be possible like you might this is before so much went digital, but you know you might be able to get uh, a copy that uh, if you depending on when you did your your show or when it opened, uh, you could in theory have it 
at a certain time on a certain day. I don't think I've ever seen a same day turnaround on that. Well, this though. is New York City, right? So I assume that they got their papers printed and delivered really early in the a.m. So I, I think back in the day that would have been possible. I think um, I don't know if it's even like so. They the papers that came out to review for this episode were the Post and the Times. Now, uh, very high end papers like that probably could and maybe do still like they'll see an opening night and then have a. A review out the same day but in my experience you're you're maybe seeing a review pop that that weekend that first weekend after opening right uh and then the director gets the review and reads it to everyone the lucille hotel theater bada, bada, bada. joey tribbiani gives an uneven performance about Mr. Tribbiani is not the worst thing in this production. Yes! <laughs> Kate Miller's awkward and mannered portrayal is laughable. Bada bada bada. Aha! Here it is. The direction by Marshall Townend is. <laughs> Thank you. Boys and girls, you've ruined my life please stuff your talentless faces with my mother's crab cakes <laughs> excuse me i do like how happy joey is when he finds out he's not the worst thing <laughs> oh I've, I've been there yeah i've uh, definitely been there and there's nothing there's actually nothing uh so he he got he got hit in his review but then had something semi-positive before the rest of the review went to to hell um I've <laughs> definitely been in that situation where you get a very, you, in, in one case, the best review of my career uh, in a show where everything else was was um, terribly panned. Um, and I, I learned um, over the years uh, what this cast and this artistic staff should also have learned. Never read your reviews, good or bad, <laughs> if you can avoid it. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that was a lesson that it took me... Uh, oops, sorry. Sorry, plan that. That was a lesson that it took me quite a few years to understand. Because I think when I started doing theater in New York, I was really eager for attention and wanting people to like me and validation yeah, yeah um for the last project that we did when i was playing a larger role and i knew that it was inevitable that if there was reviews i was going to get mentioned i i did not read it i still haven't read it yeah i know that the, for the last thing that we did that there are reviews out there i don't know what they are i i i've seen glances of headlines and some mm. of them were not positive so there, there are reviews of myself out there that i have not read and i don't want to read because it sounds cliche, but it that's not why we do it. And right. there's the thing about reviews is if you believe and you really take to heart the great reviews, like you're so great, you're the greatest, you really have to take equal to heart the bad ones. Right. Like you can't just pick and choose what you're going to listen to and what's going to affect you. So it's either you read everything and you take in the good and the bad, or you just ignore everything and you do it for the sake of doing it. But I do understand Joey's reaction. I, I like how he owns his wins. That I'll, yeah, I'll say. I've gotten that review where, like, Matt, it's <laughs> not like, the worst thing. It's not the uh, worst. No, yeah. I'm like, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the next couple scenes, we go back and forth. So apparently Joey had dated this actress and then she dumped him for the director, but then he dumps her 
on opening night because she gets a they both get bad reviews right and so now she wants to date joey which i don't like i i don't i think she's very manipulative yeah it's weird i don't like that she's playing with joey's heart i don't i think he can do better than her but she seems very flaky oh and she's like saying uh I always date the smartest person in the room or the hottest person in the room or the most talented person in the room. Why don't I date guys like you? And I was like, oh, that doesn't read well. Um, but then she switched it up to, no, the sweetest guys like you. I'm like, uh, gross. Yeah, I don't I don't like her. Um, we, And go. she was dating her director also, which is kind of a... Uh, maybe back then it wasn't a, like there's there's a lot that's problematic with that there and there's a lot I think it there's can prof- it yeah. can be if, if they're professional and they keep it outside the rehearsal and they right. don't let it bleed in I could I mean it's, I mean you and I were dating and you directed me and stuff and we worked together and, the yeah but if you I would only take issue with it I think if um if he cast her before they got if they got together after he cast her because it there's like a power dynamic shift that is a little it's, it's it almost implied that she like slept with him for the part and then it, yeah I, i'm and, just yeah I, I just wouldn't it's weird and then he, he's the type of person that dumped her as soon as he didn't like her review so yeah i mean this episode is just full of like not great people <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's kind of a 90s typical plot where someone's trying to date someone else and there's issues uh we go back and forth to the apartment what what dates this show dramatically is we get an exterior shot of the world trade center of the original one right um because this took place in 97 and that was still around so you know what time we're really in phoebe is still on hold um (laughs) i was i just wrote down i guess she doesn't have a job Uh, right well she's like a i guess i'll call her a freelancer you know she she, is she plays at the poetry shop she's a musician i think her like money jobs were that she was a part-time masseuse oh yeah and then she also drove a taxi okay now remembering that yeah Yeah. but right she's she's an artist so she just does gigs i and i do like earlier when they came back she was bored so she just she had time to move all the furniture between (laughs) rachel (laughs) put all her stuff in your room and your stuff in her Oh, so rachel and monica are really good friends because phoebe is kind of taking advantage of their entire she's hijacking her home their home life has been and on their phone right so they can't even use their own phone for two whole days well that's (laughs) the whole thing about friends which i don't know how realistic i guess it is to some degree where they kind of live like they're all like in one big college dorm right where they're all just kind of in and out of each other's apartments and then don't ever really leave yep which I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, I'm too prickly. Like, I, I would get annoyed. If I had if... neighbors that could pop in whenever, like, they'd have to be super good friends. I mean, I guess if you had really great friends that happened to move next door to you, you know, I could see there being, you know, like, we have friends that have our keys and vice versa, so. I know, but they're not over every single day, like. Well, no, that, our... <laughs> that might be a little intrusive, but then again, it might be different in personality types, too. I guess. So. It's a TV show, and I'm I'm nitpicking. Um <laughs> We get a scene in the iconic coffee shop in Central Perk, which, again, by the way, there, there is no Central Perk-style coffee shop in New York or anywhere. There, there's no coffee shop in New York where there are waitresses serving coffee and will let you sit there on the couch and not order things. For hours. For yeah. hours. And I, I don't... Uh, real estate is such at a premium that a very large space like that would have to 
be selling lots of food and beverages to break even. It's I mean, instead of a show. But I mean, like even that. at Starbucks, you've got to keep ordering coffee. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, Tommy comes back, and like, this is where Ross is wearing his yellow shirt, which I, <laughs> okay. like, I don't know. <laughs> and then we get a scene outside. Uh, oh. Uh, uh, when, Ross... when Ross tells them, okay, so when Ross tells them, uh, sorry, our dog was being extra. Tom, Tommy's mean. Don't date him. And they think it's just his jealousy. Uh, there was one line of uh, Chandler's that made me laugh. He's like, yeah. And then after the show, the guy gets up, starts banging his hands together. What's that? <laughs> yeah, that's a very Chandler being line. Yeah, totally. Oh, so it's outside. So Ross bumps into Tommy and spills coffee on him, and then Tommy goes off on him again. The thing I, I think that's weird about these lines is that. Tommy is so irate, but because it's network TV, he can't swear. Right. Or the character can't swear. So He can go as far as idiot. That's all he yeah, can. Yeah. Yeah. So usually people who have these anger management problems use uh, more cursed language than what Ben Stiller is allowed to do for must-see TV. Oh, and another thing I wrote down, I thought this was weird. You probably didn't even notice it. This is such a minute detail. When the camera is cutting back between outside, Ross getting yelled at, inside... You know, they're talking. Monica and Chandler are, like, cuddling on the couch, but they're not a couple yet. I had to look up. This is season three. Oh, They okay. don't hook up till the end of season four. Oh. They're just very familiar. I guess they're friends, but it was maybe maybe the writers knew all along. Maybe they're, like, the Buffy writers and are planting <laughs> little uh, Easter, Easter eggs. eggs. But it, I, I don't know. Or I, maybe it was, like... Maybe they're testing the waters on having them show affection ahead of time and seeing, how it, seeing how it plays they, out. But to they market acted research. like a couple on that couch. Oh, I, okay. Maybe maybe stuff was happening earlier than any of us do. Maybe mm. Friends is way is deeper than <laughs> I'm giving it credit to. Or maybe that's the subtext is that um, subconsciously they, they have always been drawn to each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm acting like my stepmom right now. But. Okay. All right. Thank God she doesn't listen. Um, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> More stories about her another time. Oh, that's another podcast. Okay, so now we get to the end of the show. And this scene really... Oh, I have so much issues with how the show is. So, Joey is running very late to his own play, and I have a clip. Sorry, sorry I'm late, sorry I'm late. My doc and my chick had a fight. It, it was ugly. Look, we held the curtain for you, buddy. Come on, let's go, let's go. Vic, where have you been, baby? Where's Kate? She's got a job in L.A. What? I've been waiting up all night for you. Where have you been? Where have you been, Vic? Oh, uh, go to the window. I want to run down to the truck and show you something. Okay, so... Joey is a professional actor. Right. This is an Equity production. Yep. Equity, you have to sign in to your show at least half an hour before curtain. Mm-hmm. Or else you get in trouble. Or else, if Joey is just MIA... They will not start the play. They will put an understudy on. Obviously, this play has understudies. Yeah. Because he goes in and Kate's understudy is on. Right. So he, they would not open the show. They would not hold the curtain for him. Well, no. it looks like they started the. They actually started the play 
without him, which would not happen. Right. Oh, yeah. People were reseated and yeah, stuff. The yeah, okay. the play is starting, so that, that annoyed me. It also... If he is as professional as we are led to believe, he should have arrived on time. Um, but if an actor is that late, the under they either cancel the show, they'll they'll hold the curtain, or most likely the understudy will go on. So I thought this was a little. It was a little. Far-fetched. It was a little far fetched. Um, it was. Um, it was also highly unprofessional of uh, like actors, uh, like even the stage manager not having a complete freak out on him when he arrived. It's just. Um, yeah, but also not... when. <laughs> You know, you have to get in costume, you have to get in hair. Oh, yeah, he just walks in from his street clothes. Yeah, yeah, so Joey is not behaving as a professional actor. Not not a little, not even a little bit. Yeah, so he, and he also finds out... Oh, and then breaking character several times, too, but... And and I guess the lead actress, Kate, was allowed to break her contract with the play. Right. Because they say she goes off to L.A., I guess that's okay. I mean, I'm sure that I, I assume because there may be contract clauses that allow for it. And I also assume because they got such a bad review, maybe they're closing like in a week. Right. That the producers were like, "Whatever, this play sucks. We're losing money. Do whatever you want. Um, leave the show. Who cares? We'll put on your understudy. understudy. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, typically it, it's there are cases in Broadway where people have been re- replaced very early mm-hmm. in the role, but. Usually they have a contract, and usually right. those contracts are pretty ironclad, unless there's extenuating medical whatever circumstances or there's a disagreement between producers. Usually, if a, in those situations, it's because the producers think that the actor can't handle the role, right. and they buy them out of the contract. Yes. Like, that's a last-ditch effort. Basically, you know, they can fire an actor. They can be like, we don't want you in this part. We hired you. This was a bad decision. We're going to give you all the money you would have earned and you have to leave. But that has happened more often than an actor just deciding, I don't want to do this play. I'm going to leave that. There's a lot less wiggle room there. Right. Um, Yeah. So I also um, I'm glad in this point, uh, I thought when earlier on when we didn't get to see the the show, when it skipped straight to the end, I was like, oh, we're not even going to see any of the staging of this um, for the episode. But we do get to see some of the play here. Now, do you happen to know if, if this is a real play or was this just... So, I am going to assume that this is not a real play. I mean, because the ending does scream off-off-Broadway to me. Yeah, I was trying to uh, think what play this was parodying. Like, I'm trying to think if there is a play that starts kind of normal, like, in the real world, but then takes a, a super, big super leap. supernatural turn. Yeah, yeah like this in... play does. But I can't think, I can't, There, I know out there, there probably is an off-Broadway show that is weird, like this, where you go and thinking it's going to be a living room drama, and then it ends up being, you know, a sci-fi. And then there's a spaceship. Exactly. <laughs> and Joey, I will say, is perfect in this role. It's very Joey-like uh, when he's... Uh, saying goodbye, and he has to turn the... Like, he's about to board the spaceship, and then he starts hitting on this woman's uh, future, like, granddaughter. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It's very Joey. So before that, I want to talk about... We wrap up the plot with Ben Stiller's Tommy character, where he comes in to use the phone, their phone. He can't, because Phoebe is still on hold. (laughs) So he has to go across the hall to Chandler's phone, and he sees the pets. And anytime I see animals on screen that are about to be in peril i get so nervous like i know that friends is not going to show us them hurting right. an animal but i got so 
it made me so uncomfortable. You got nervous because for the chick. I did. Yeah. And they they show him screaming at an animal, and it, and Rachel walks in and sees that he's an asshole. But I don't know. Anytime there is any animal in a movie TV show that's about to be in peril, I, I can't handle it. Yeah. Even but... a sitcom like that, it makes me sad. <laughs> uh, but then we go back. What well, what else annoyed me about Joey's play is that the actress Kate, she's like, oh, she's leaving for the airport, but she still shows up to the theater. I assume to clean out her dressing room, but she stays for the entirety of the play. So why couldn't she have just gone on that night? One more night? Because yeah. she's at the end, what really annoyed me is she is standing in the aisle watching the show, which is probably very distracting to the audience members who had paid money. Well, I thought she was in the wings. She was in the She's in the aisle, aisle. At the oh, that's because the not... set is so small. Yeah, yeah. They're, she's standing in the same place where Ross... And Tommy are earlier. And the fire department don't allow for that. No, you but know. she's also being uh-huh. an idiot. I don't like... Yeah, it's a little weird. I don't like this character. I'm I'm glad that Joey's not with her anymore. And then we get to the very end of the play where he gives his speech and it takes a weird turn, like you said. Listen, I, uh, I gotta say goodbye and, and I gotta say it quick because this is killing me. One thing you gotta know is that I will never forget you but you got things you have to do now and and so do i and so i'm gonna get on this spaceship (laughs) and i'm gonna go to blargon 7 in search of alternative fuels but when i return 200 years from now, you'll be long gone. But I won't have aged at all. (laughs) So you tell your great, great granddaughter to look me up. Because Adrian, baby, I'm going to want to meet her. Okay, that's kind of gross and insensitive. So, so creepy. <laughs> what I wrote down, what this play does remind me of, um, presentationally, it reminds me of the very end of Cats, oh. where Grizabella gets shot up into the sky in a tire. Oh, because a the... tire actually goes all the way up um, to the top of the stage, and a ladder comes out, and right. she literally climbs a ladder into yes. the heavy side layer. Into the heavy side. Okay. And yeah. also, his speech reminds me to the plot of the movie Interstellar. Okay. Which will come out like 20 years after this episode, but that is where they go into space and Matthew McConaughey doesn't age and he comes back and his um, toddler daughter is now Ellen Burstyn. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Because she's a... Because of how, how time works. This is not a podcast about physics, but <laughs> he has an age, but she's like an old lady. Because on her of the distance between where he Be, went. Because and, you don't... Yeah. Because time and... It, Google it, people. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then that's it. We get to the... The end, um, and BB is still on the phone, and like we mentioned earlier, she breaks. <laughs> she physically breaks their phone. <laughs> she's like, fine. Well, they learn that she thinks she's been on an 800 number the entire time, but it turns out she was dialing a Utah phone number, which also uh, apparently has an eight a, a area code starting with 800. Uh, well, that's so, another. That's days at long distance. Remember yeah, when that was a thing? That was, when, when you that was like your... 299 a minute for yeah. two days. Uh, that, <laughs> where's Phoebe? That's a lot of cab rides. Yeah. Uh, 
Anywho, um, and then she breaks her phone, and this is the you know ending, beautiful ending joke of um, her saying, "Oh, well, I know the number to call for that." Yeah. She gives them the same broken phone number that she used the entire day. Oh, Phoebe, and that's the episode. Yeah. Uh, so, any final thoughts about Friends or this episode, I, or, I would say... or or how? Um, Physics how and much how we... aging and relativity and... Right. Yeah, I know a lot more about theater than I know about any of that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, but anyway, um, I I was very uh, tickled by the, um, by the play when we finally do get to see it and it's Bizarro World ending. Um, there are so... Especially if you spend a lot of time in the off-off uh, or the indie theater scene in New York City, um, there's a lot of plays where it starts out in a couch and ends up on a spaceship it just um it's very very apropos uh for (laughs) off off um so i found that to be amusing um you know there wasn't a lot in terms of uh technical stuff you know that i i can really comment on because i didn't really touch on much of that you know aside from the stage manager being like hey man we uh we held the curtain for you when you were super late that doesn't happen um so but yeah i i I thought the episode was uh funny i i thought it like you said early on, a lot of the stuff for Friends is kind of dated these days. Uh, but it's nice to take um, nostalgic walks backwards every now and then uh, in terms of at least the fashion and stuff. I loved Phoebe getting caught in that sweater. That was a good bit. Yeah. No, I, I, I overall, I, I kind of shit on Friends, but I, I, I don't hate Friends. I like it. I think the yeah. writing, it was the time. It was the right. 90s. It's, it's, I am not going to bear it was the, a product of the, the weight of right. um, hundreds of years of LGBTQ prosecution upon friends. Like <laughs> they don't, they don't shoulder that burden. I it's, will. Okay, well, we're just going to have to disagree. I have, I have more respect. I, I kid. I kid. Yeah, good episode. Not a great episode, but a fun episode. Yeah, it was fun. I, I, I again, I, I liked seeing Joey in his play, even though he could have behaved a little more professionally. Yeah, I think anytime you see him get to pretend to be an actor while on this series it's kind of fun like when he does his doctor stuff on um on in the soap opera episodes i think that's always hilarious it's definitely like a parody of you know you you could tell that he has a lot of fun pretending to be a bad actor yeah and it's not easy being a good actor pretending to be no it's very very challenging it's it's, you're kind of doing double right you're you're dumbing down your own skill yeah yeah yeah. so he's fun to watch so fun episode um if there's any other episode of friends that we should talk about or any episode of any other tv show where the characters are in a play and you want to hear us talk about it for 45 minutes to an hour <laughs> uh please send us those suggestions at spirits and chat podcast at gmail.com or you can reach us out to us on social media we are on facebook and also instagram i don't know why i said that I said the cadence of Instagram. 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 Oh, oh, you, yeah. The third the beat, little, little I, bit of an upbeat. Yeah. I don't know. I forget that's a thing in poetry. I'm not iambic, but it's da 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 da. Instagram. I'm gonna. I can't not now, say well, it. Well, now, that now way. I'm gonna end up saying Instagram in, in iambic because I, I. That's you know. Sure. Shakespeare. Um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, <laughs> please uh, rate and review us on whatever platform you are listening to this on. In particular, a five-star review on iTunes will really help us with our visibility on that platform. As always, we want to give a big thank you to Mickey Hommel, who wrote and composed our theme song, and also to Molly Roth for designing our artwork. Until next time, I'm Matt Pullman. And I'm Jonathan Emerson. And remember, break a leg! leg.